morning, everyone. As it was stated earlier, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And we're at this, um, I guess, the transitional point between Christmas and the first of the year. You know, it's kind of a different point for everyone. And some people are getting ready to uh, start their New Year's resolutions. I looked up a statistic this morning that about 55% of all U.S. Uh, people have some sort of New Year's resolution. So if you are one of those 55 today in that percentage, I just want to ask you to, um, to listen to what John has to say today to us. So if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we're talking about the Lamb of God. And when you get there, just please stand. John chapter 1, starting at verse 29, going all the way down to verse 37. I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible, and it reads like this. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was because he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down on and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Verse 34 says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with his two disciples. Then he saw Jesus passing by. He said, look, the Lamb of God. Verse 37 it says, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to pray with me just one more time. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I um I pray God that you would just come down right now, even the more, to bless us, to fill the, the voids that we have, that I have right now, Father, that you would bless the hearts of your people, that you would allow us to be able to see you, that we might be able to breathe in, God, your presence, and we might know, Father, that you are the Lamb of God, and you are alive, and you are well, and you are still on the throne. So, Lord, do your work this morning. Let us not be a hindrance to you. Let our hearts not be a hindrance. Let my tongue not be a hindrance. My brain, 
I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would accept my broken hallelujah this morning. Turn our hearts toward you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to share something with you this morning that happened to me. Uh, I'm not kind of a, a spontaneous kind of guy, but I had a group of guys that uh, prayed for me. Uh, you know, we just kind of have like a little prayer chain. And we say encouraging things to each other. So I sent out a text to him this morning on the way to church, and I said, guys, uh, pray for me. And this is what one of the guys said. He says, Father, speak through Chris in the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And he says, amen. Now, G- now he says, now, Chris... Let her rip, tater chip. <laughs> the corniest prayer, but I know what he meant. I mean, he walks with God. He's a little corny, but he walks <laughs> with God. So let's see if his prayer gets us through today. We're talking about the Lamb of God. And let's see how the Lamb comes on the scene. The Lamb comes on, a scene, on the scene by a forerunner. Somebody that's paving the way for him. And this guy is very, very noticeable. I mean, he's a little different. He's not like the average, the average Joe. Uh, they say that he's dressed, he was dressed in camel's hair. He ate honey and wild locusts. And he goes by the name of John the Baptist. The prophecy in Isaiah, he's, it, it says that he's a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places plain. The guy that we want to listen to this morning is John. So I want to try to give you a couple affirmations about this guy, tell you a few things about this guy so that you'll have reason enough to open your ears this morning, to, you know, clean out the wax if you have any, to, to stay awake and, and be attentive to what John has to say because John is just like when you go to a concert, say, for instance, and you go to see the main attraction. Say, for instance, you go, you wanted to go and you, you saw Prince a long time ago. You saw Prince a long time ago. I got amen on that. Prince a long time ago. The warm-up band would probably be somebody like NSYNC, right? Somebody probably like NSYNC would warm the crowd up, get the crowd going, and then Prince would come out. So NSYNC did what did for Prince and the revolution, pretty much what John did for Jesus. He paved the way. He made a way, he made, they, they were talking about how he made the high places low, and he made a path, a platform, a way for Jesus to come on through. Pretty much he gave him an introduction. Yeah, he, he gave him an announcement, a calling. He says, you know what, everybody, it's time to, to get your life right, modern day terms. Repent, turn to God. Because the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. So let's look at NSYNC, not NSYNC, but let's look at John, right? Let's look at John. But I bet you about a couple of people in here could probably tell me everybody's name that's in the group NSYNC. 
Somebody in here can do it. I know it. We'll save it to after service. Okay. (laughs) After service. So I want to tell you that John the Baptist is worth listening to. Matthew 11 and 11. Write this down if you can. John the Baptist. This is what Jesus says about John the Baptist. Just to let you know that John the Baptist has some credibility. He says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So Jesus is a witness to John. Jesus validates John. So John is worth listening to. You should perk up your ears. You should turn your head when John speaks. Let's put all eyes on John. So from the law to the fulfillment of the law, we see John. From the word on paper to the word in flesh, we see John transitioning those points from old to new. That's John. It blows my mind to see the kind of man that John is, his character, his spiritual competency, and his courage, how he connects what was to what to what he is, his character. Jesus has already said that he is the greatest thing born of woman, greatest man born of woman, but yet he's still so, so humble. John 1, 27, this is what the text says. He is the one who comes after me, the sandals of whose sandals, I mean the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So John always positions himself low. And always, you'll see a reoccurring thing, he always points to Christ. He's always low and always pointing up to Jesus. Not only his character, but he's competent. He knows who Christ was. He knew him. He knew exactly what position Christ held, and he also knew what position he held. He says, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight way for who? For the Lord. Not for me, but for the Lord. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. He says it over and over. You'll probably get tired of hearing me say it, but I'm going to keep saying it so you'll get it. So we can mimic the life of John by saying it's not about us, but it's about Christ. Our lifestyle should say it's not about us, but it's about Jesus. The way we walk, the way we talk, the way we think, the way we process, where we're, we're, we're trying to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to wrath, that should all process, that should all uh, give you an idea of Jesus walking around here today. So I'm telling you, John is worth listening to. He's saying, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. He's saying it so literally that two of his disciples get up right then and follow Christ. That's how powerful, that's how powerful and how much John was pointing to the Messiah, how he was pointing to Christ. So John was simply a foundational piece. And Jesus was the high rise. He's saying, I'm nothing but the foundation. I'm nothing but dirt. That's all I am. 
I'm just the bottom dweller down here. But the bottom dweller made it possible for the skyscraper to go up. That's John. So today I want to tell you three things about what John says about the Lamb of God. John's going to give us three points about the Lamb of God, and you'll see them on your screen. Write these down so we can kind of keep up with them. You can keep up with me. First thing John says, make sure that you look to the Lamb. Look to the Lamb. Two disciples, which were Andrew and Simon, already left John for Jesus because John says, that's him. That's the one. Behold, that's the one. Look to him. Follow Christ. So the text says, I'm going to divide this up in three little parts. I'm going to give you 129A, 129B, and 129C. That's just me. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look. Some translations say, behold. Look is an imperative, which means he's commanding you to take your eyes off whatever you're looking at and look to Christ. He wants you to turn your head and get your focus on Jesus. That idea of look comes from the, uh, the idea of to focus in on or let everything else zone out while you zone in to look. It almost tells me, to, it almost translates to my mind as if I were at a, a large event or a, a gala or something like that. I'm on the other side of the room and my wife walks in on this side of the room. Behold, look. Keep your eyes focused. That's what John's saying. Focus. Focus. So keep your eyes on Christ. The best way for me to translate this to you so you can understand my horse country mind is harness racing. See it on the screen. Harness racing. You see a bridle that allows the horse to focus. A bridle is made up of primarily three different parts. You, you see the steel piece in the horse's mouth? That's the bit. James talks about the bit, how you control uh, the horse, turning him left or right. You have uh, a nose band that keeps the horse kind of controlled. The bit does that as well, too. And then you have the blinds on the side of the horse's head. Those blinds make the horse focus. They make, they make the horse to look at what he's supposed to look at, to make him look forward. That's where I want you to go. That's what a, a good trainer does for his horse. A good trainer, God is our good trainer. God is simply trying to put the blind bridle on us to make sure that we focus and move forward. So when we understand that, that uh, uh, God is our trainer and he's trying to teach us to focus on Jesus. Our focus should be on Christ. And when we focus, we take a step forward. Second thing I want you to look at. The lamb is sacrificial. The lamb is sacrificial. Text says in 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming up toward him and said, look, 
the Lamb of God. Looking back at the Old Testament, we can easily see that they had animal sacrifices. And those animal sacrifices were simply a small atonement of what was coming. But these animal sacrifices couldn't, they couldn't meet up to what Jesus did. They couldn't be Jesus. Because, see, it's like this. A bridge was broken between us and God by what was done in the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve failed. They broke the bridge. The bridge is broken. But they needed to call not just anybody. No one could just do this. An animal sacrifice could not fix the bridge that was broken. They had to call a master carpenter. And his name was Jesus. Only Jesus had the tools to fix this bridge. He was the only one, the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sinless lamb of God, flawless lamb of God that could fix the bridge that was broken between us and God. Now, let me, let me share something with you. I'm going to get a little transparent with you. I'm going to tell you, as my father would say, I'm going to tell you about uh, what I know, not what I heard. All right? This is what happened in my home. Um, June of last year, you see that? June of last year, uh, we decided to remodel our bathroom. Now, remember what I said, June of last year. You probably see where I'm going with this. We decided to remodel our bathroom, right? And um, we hired this, um, I don't want to say the name of the people. My wife is probably like saying, say their names, say their names. Uh, this restoration company, I'll say it like that, give you a tip. This restoration company, and they, they took out the toilet, gave us a new toilet. That was one of the things. They want, we wanted a new shower head. They put a new shower head in, and we were supposed to have a, uh, a sunken tub. Just a, a soaking tub, excuse me, just a soaking tub in that spot right there. They took out the soaking tub, but they had problems putting it back in because they didn't have the right tools. They didn't have the right experience. They didn't have the right know-how. And that's what my tub looks like right now. You see, listen, this is right now, present day. You see why I come to church every Sunday. You see why Ebony's up here and she's praising God like, you know, there's no tomorrow. Y'all don't know our struggle. Man, I hadn't bathed in six months. I'm tripping. We got a shower. We got a shower. Don't come smelling me after church, hugging me. I'm going to think you're weird. Don't do that. Um, but they didn't have the right tools. So the animals were not the right tools to get the bridge fixed to get the connection back to us and God, right? So why repeat this process? We don't need to repeat the process. We need to call on the one that can fix the bridge, the one that can fix this process. So if you look at lambs back in the Old Testament, you'll notice that lambs were, they had to be flawless. They couldn't have a spot, couldn't have a blemish. They had to be pretty much near perfect for them to be sacrificed. Even perfect lambs could not satisfy the requirements for atoning the sins of humanity. Because let me give you this little bitty uh, special. The animals didn't sin. We sinned. A lamb could not cut it. But the lamb could cut it. Jesus. 
1 John 2, 2, it says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but for the sins of the entire world. Mm. See, these lambs were slain in the Old Testament. They pointed to the, sl- to the lamb that would be slain forever. And he would forever wipe away our sins. So just try to picture this for, for one minute. Picture John the Baptist. He saw his father always, Zechariah, always going to the temple day by day, working in the temple. And he would come home covered in, in blood. Because in the temple on a daily basis, not the time of Passover, but on a daily basis, they would, they would kill at least two lambs, one in the morning and one at night. Not to mention the millions that were slaughtered during Passover. He would see his, his daddy come home covered in blood day after day after day. And now he is meeting the lamb that's going to take all this away. That's going to erase all these sins with one death. Let me tell you about sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Let me tell you what a good trainer, a good trainer does. He teaches his horse to be sacrificial. Jesus teaches us to be sacrificial. A good trainer teaches his horse when he's training his horse. Let me just take you in, in, the, in the barn of a, a standard bread barn just for one second. Give me 30 seconds. When you buy a horse, right? You break this horse. You teach this horse to uh, run a certain gate. You take this horse day after day after day and you teach this horse how to go. And you leg this horse up with so many jog miles, 90 days of jog, jog miles, day after day after day, until he's legged up, till he's kind of in shape. And then you start taking this horse, and you take him, and they run a distance of a mile. And you start taking this horse, you jog him Monday, Tuesday, and then on Wednesday and maybe Saturday, you train him. And you take him a distance of a mile, maybe three minutes. And then every week after that, you take him down maybe three seconds faster until he's ready to race. But with every training session, you teach that horse to finish strong. You teach that horse to give every single thing that he has. You build his confidence up. You build his nature up. You stretch him to be what he can be. That's what the master trainer God is doing to us daily. He's stretching you to be what you can be. We have this crazy notion of making resolutions and what we think we can do, what we think we should do before we check with the lamb. See, the lamb came in as a sacrifice, okay? The people of Rome thought that, or the the Jewish nations thought that this this, uh, Messiah was going to come in with military power, military force, and just wipe out the Roman government. And this is going to be uh, how it is from now on out. But the lamb came in wounded. The, the lamb, he came in, in a sense, he was reviled. But he never reviled. He put in, let me go back and say, he put in all this different, the, 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 the trainer puts in all this different, these different work. He sacrifices, the trainer sacrifices with work and time as the horse sacrifices. So our yielding, what our yielding to God does, it produces 
his purpose in us. Our sacrificial yielding produces what's really in us, what's supposed to come out of us. If a trainer can teach a horse to be selfless, why can't Jesus do the same for us? Last thing, the lamb offers us liberty. John 1, 29c. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This lamb is going to give us freedom. Keep this in mind. When you look at the lamb, you'll see the lifestyle of the lamb, how he came in low. He never raised his hands. As I said, he, was, he never reviled. He never opened his mouth. 1 Peter 2.23 says this. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who justly judges. He came in as a lamb but he's walking out as a lion. Revelation 5, it talks about the lion of Judah. In chapter 5 of Revelations, the text talks about how John was afraid because there was no one able to open the scroll. But then on the spot comes the lion of Judah. The lion of Judah, the same power that lives in me is the same power that Christ brought down to earth. Romans 8, 11, it says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his, of the spirit who lives within you. And this life is talking about a corpse that is inoperable. It's talking about something that does not live. And then he fleshes it out a little bit more when you look at Romans 8 and 11. He talks about it in the sense of once you obey, life is pumped inside of you. So it's like your obedience gives you faith and more faith. The more you obey, the more faith you have. So it's like you can do the first two, but will you walk in the third? Check out what I'm saying. You can look and have your focus on Jesus and you can have him as your sacrifice, you've accepted him as Lord, and you can still be in bondage. You can be a Christian and still be in chains. How does that make sense? I can have the first two, but I might be struggling with the third one. I might still be in bondage. Liberty requires obedience. It's, it's just like, it's just like this. You've seen a dog that's on a chain. A dog can only go so far. Why is a dog kept on a chain? Because he can't be trusted. You, you, you're, not, you're not sure what that dog is going to do, where he's going to go, how he's going to act. In most states, I think like 22 states, it's, it's illegal. But once you prove yourself in obedience, what happens then? The dog can roam wherever he wants to go because the master trusts trust in the dog. So once you, once you obey, you gain freedom. 
Some chains need to be broken in 2020. Freedom needs to come out in 2020. A lot of us have been, being, being good Christians, still walking around in shackles, not knowing what God truly has in store for us because the shackles are still on. Thinking, thinking that, that we're, you know, we're good Christians, we're coming to church, we're serving God, I'm getting up, I'm having my time with the Lord. But are you really liberating yourself? Are you really walking in freedom? Because the power on the inside stays locked up because of the disobedience on the outside. We got to walk in freedom. In closing, I just want to tell you this. A good trainer brings out the best in his horses. He gives them the right, the right focus. He teaches them to look where they're supposed to go so they can progress forward. He teaches them to be sacrificial. He teaches them to give every single thing that they have while they're on the track. God is telling us the same thing. He's teaching us the same thing. Give everything you have while you're down here. Sacrifice just like Jesus sacrificed for you. Follow the pattern that Christ left for you. And then liberty will be attained and you'll be able to win the race called life. And then you can say just like Paul in 2 Timothy. He says, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only it says to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearance. So I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, today, walk with Christ. Give every single thing that you have while you're out here on the track today. Be free and let the liberty of God flow and work through you. Amen. At this time, I want to ask the band and singers if they would come up. And today, if you have been struggling with the, the mindset of, man, I can't move, I can't get out of this spot, I'm in change chains right now. I'm in shackles. I need help. I came to tell you today that Jesus will give you liberty in him if you try. Jesus will give you freedom in him if you step out in faith. The Lord is calling you and he's calling us so many different times to, to just to make a step of faith. And when you make that step of faith, what happens is God comes in and he shows up. So what he might be telling you today, right now, is to make a step of faith. Stop being afraid. Stop, stop doubting God and try Jesus while we have time. Because, y'all, when we get up there, I want to rock out with y'all. I want to be able to have fun with y'all, to be, to be able to say, man, look back. You remember when we did this? When we walked with God like that? When we told people about Jesus? That's what I want to be able to do with you guys so let's leave everything on the field I ask our ushers if you guys would come up and we're going to celebrate what God did at Passover for us the bread represents the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that was broken for us the wine represents his blood that was shed for the remission of our sins Jesus the sacrificial lamb he came, he bled, and he died 
so that we might have a right to eternal life. What a God that we serve. What a God that we serve. So today, if you are struggling, if you're dealing with skepticism, if you're dealing with doubt, if you want to give your life to Christ today, feel free to come up today. Come down to the altar. We have other people that will pray for you. I'll be happy to pray with you. And I pray that in 2020, that you will let God use you to the best of his ability. Bow your hands for a word of prayer. Father God, we ask you, Lord, right now to bless this meal. We ask you, Lord, to bless our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for doing all things, Father. Father, we pray that you would move right now on our hearts, that we might take a step of faith to be better, to be more like you, less like us. Change us, God, from the inside out. Release the power that's on the inside of us to do things that we've never done before, to give to the hungry, Father, to bless those that are in need of you, of your word. So, Lord, right now we ask you to bless this meal, bless this time, and come in, Lord. Set, simmer, and release the power of God on the inside of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God.